Hey guys, welcome to the Barman and Bevo podcast, episode 39. Uh, yesterday, Saturday, uh, May 5th, after the uh, Dick Lane Village on Kieran, there's always an after party uh, over at Ethic. Uh, we got the opportunity to record with some of Barman's buddies, some of the people we've talked about having on over the last few months, uh, Chris and Nunziata, uh, Steve Hill, a few other people as well. This is kind of a recap of that episode. Uh, we talk about uh, John Croom breaking the track record for the kilo. Uh, we talk about some stories about Barman in the past. Just to warn you, I'm not sure how well the sound quality is at the beginning. There were some issues. There were a lot of people there that were talking in the background, so it was very loud and very difficult to get set up. But this is episode 39. Mike and I will be back again later this week with a new episode, so we hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks a lot. Episode 39, the Barman and Bevo podcast. As you can see, Mike Barman. My notes are blank. <laughs> We're going to have to start somewhere. No script tonight. No script tonight. We're going old school. A uh, couple special guests with us tonight. we got Chris Annunziato, who we've talked about many times having on. Yep. Glad to be here. And How long have you been using my name in vain? <laughs> Several years. <laughs> Steve Hill's also here with us. We're going to do a separate episode with both of these guys, but... Um, In the future. They're both here now. Available. Available. After the uh, Dick Lane Velodrome, Kieran. Kieran. Rained out. Rained out. So we're here at Ethic recording. <laughs> so so what you guys can do is after you get done with us tonight, if you decide like your viewership goes way in the tank, you, then you don't have to do one with each other. We don't have to worry about that. Exactly. The best part is starting from the bottom. It's just the only Five downloads to six. <laughs> we piss somebody off every week. Every it's week. not a big deal. Every week. <laughs> um, but we are here live from Ethic recording. Uh, we did this last year after one. Was it the same event last year? The Kieran event last year. Yeah, because I moved into the ref role uh, for Labor Day. Or, no, uh, Scott was still refing. Unfortunately, he wasn't available this weekend. And so I was worried about. Having these guests is better than me talking about the bike race after refing because I don't, I just don't agree with refs being on a podcast after. And, and believe me, everybody at the Velodrome agrees with that too. <laughs> True. Do we want to talk about any of the racing today? You guys can. I will not add my comments. Can we talk, well, can we talk about John John Groom and the record? Yes. Well, that stuff's all. Well, let's start there. Yeah. So. Um, 109 111. Yes. John Croom, who was on episode 30 ish. Yeah, it only has 21 downloads. <laughs> <laughs> Raced. I think we actually corrected Actually, John this. mentioned that uh, he's unable to share it with his B blog um, stuff. Gotcha. That, that explains why it's so low. 
Well, we can still share some it on Facebook and Twitter. Well, not 100%, but maybe we can do a better job. Yeah. So we just mentioned that. We've got to cut that episode anyway, or should have cut that episode. So John, based on a conversation we had on this podcast, came for the race. Yes. We got him to do the go after the Dick Lane. Well, we, uh, we both agreed. Record. We both agreed because it's always nice on the pro race to actually have something a little bit different, especially leading in at six o'clock. Whether it uh, you have the motor paced one lap flying lap record, and everyone asks, how do you how do you get to do the motor paced flying lap record? It's like, well, you win two elite kilo titles, and maybe if you ask the promoter very nicely, you may be able to get a get a record attempt. Or in that case, the promoter asks you. <laughs> yes, Steve, what is that? So basically, it was just a flying lap with a motor paced leader. So basically what it's happened... Really, it's really what we did yeah. 10 times a week for eight A weeks. billion years. <laughs> over and over and over yeah. again. And what's that record? Was it 18.6? Something, something like, like that. that. I dropped you off on one Too to slow. <laughs> Are we already getting into story time? So, all right. Story time. We're going to start story time with... with so Steve shows up with his 80cc Kawasaki motorcycle. 100. It was an 80. 100. Was it 100? It's a KE 100. Was it? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. All right. So Steve starts. Steve starts getting a little bit better and a little bit more fit, and he starts hitting the rear wheel of the damn motorcycle and screaming at me, up, up, up. So Steve goes back to his coach. A good friend of both of ours is like, hey, I'm having a hard time. You know, the motorcycle's like, well, if you want to win championships, you better get better equipment or you better get better. (laughs) Is that it? Yes. Did you get the gas can repainted? No. That's a KE100. It's the same motorcycle. Oh, same motorcycle. They don't make a KE80. So it was a, it was a pretty good motorcycle up to about 44 or 45 miles an hour. So when Steve would actually be in race mode about July, he would be hitting the license plate has nooks from his bicycle tire as he's screaming at me to go faster as the suspension is bottoming out between three and four and that all the energy is going through my spine into my neck and all I can think about is I have a guy going 45 miles an hour behind me I am not changing my line I don't care I will not change my line so to answer the question it's a flying lap with a motor pace leader. So how many laps did you do? Two. We just, yeah, we did two. Yeah. One, one, one to, set, one to settle in, yeah. and then the other one to get to speed. Yeah. The DLV is a little odd because the transitions are off, and so you lose yeah. a lot of energy. So you have to be really careful about yeah. how you lead. Yeah, if you you're come 200 out of, and, and everything yeah, you do. In this case, you know, you're coming out of four. And you're trying to go as fast as you can into the start finish line. Which is come out of, if you come out of four too fast and you're too up far near the rail, you're going airborne. Yeah. Right, because the transition's so steep. So it's really it's really tricky to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of have to be low in four, and then and then the motor has to be cranking. And does that record still stand? I believe so. 
mainly because, because nobody else has tried to do it. No, 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 it's not me. Other people have asked how they get that record. And the answer is always, well, you're not going to get it anyway, so you're not going to attempt it. But you know the other record I still have? The... Uh, 500. Yes. Standing start five, actual 500. The actual 500 distance. Yep. Which Howard would probably take a crack at in September, I think. Yeah. He's pretty close. Yeah. But Howard doesn't quite have that... Um, He's a, a, a little bit more spotty than other yeah. athletes about when he's going well. And it's really hard. Unfortunately for us, it's hard because we're on laps, not distance. Right. Because it's so awkward for us to run pursuit night that way. Right. Which is why we went to lap, lap records also to allow the athletes on Tuesday nights to do pursuit nights. Because right. I only thought it was fair for them to be able to do both. What's the 500? 500 meters? Yes. Yeah, 500 meters. So it's adding one start. and a half laps? Ish. Ish. It's a little John did like right. three yeah. for the kilos. Right. But our, the kilo and the 500 are pretty normal mm-hmm. because you're starting on the straight correctly right. in a flat area that you can get your momentum going. But I talked with John about this tonight because I held him for both of his right. attempts tonight. So the problem on DLV is always the start. Yes. Right? You're either starting uphill or downhill, but neither turn set of turns is really good to do a start through. Yes. And the key to a 500 is the start. Period. Period. There's, period. there's no, there's no way around start, it. There's no way to make it up in a, so in a, in a 500. Who, who missed the record on the first try by one-tenth of a second? And he had a bad start. And he had a bad I don't want to say a bad start. He had a much better start the second time around. Why are you being so nice? He was his second... Start because his first start was really fucking fast. It just wasn't fast enough. It wasn't a... I'll agree with that. It was awkward. So here's the other thing that changed since Alexander Gill set the record. The kilo line's in a different place now. On the track? Because we used to do it only on the home straight and from the start-finish line. So you were set yes. 35 meters back from the start-finish line. Correct. So that means you have less uphill to do. Yes. So he did a harder kilo better tonight. Yes. Because the start now sucks by an additional 20 meters. Yes. Right. So Correct. His, his second go at it is four tenths of faster than his first goal. His start. His start. And, start. His start. and if you because he because he did two kilos, right. his last half lap suffered. Suffered because of right. because of that. Well that and or the, it was honestly to me it was more how much energy he put into the points race. I was gonna say it was something to do with the very last <laughs> points race. Well and, and no the way uh, he uh, raced that race, race, the yeah. way I would have had points race and right. now the record. I will say this that was an ideal points race for a kilo rider. Because it was like every sprint, there would be a sprint, and then everybody would go, hey, let's cruise around for six or seven laps. And then sprint again. Well, cruising around for those guys is yeah. 28 and a half to 29. Yeah, but you remember how it was back yes. in the day yes. when Tony Scott, Steve Carroll, Neil well, Abraham, every enduro, Hopkins, every enduro, yeah. every enduro, Ken Bostick, Mr. Yes. 35 miles an hour between sprints. I mean, yeah. Well, I'm only two meters behind Ken. I'll close it up up the home stretch. It never happens for five laps. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> his, 
His start was four tenths faster. His first lap was eight tenths faster. Right. Yes. And I want to say his second lap was seven tenths. He geared. Or John, was it seven tenths? John geared down between the attempts. He tried to go big because he was going. He was going well and was doing right. And he so, felt he felt like he was right. He he actually he in training. Right. No no aero equipment or wheels. Right. He broke the record. Right, but no no training in non-aero equipment with bars and not a 30 laps points race and not a yes. how many laps unknown distance and no. not well, a snowball. For me, it's and not, for Friday night, he won the sprint tournament. Right. Not and, and he won the sprint tournament and uh, the A10 lap. Right. Uh, crew. Friday night. Friday, yeah. yeah, over the weekend, I mean, he'd, he'd been really... He was, yeah, he was winning everything. But yes. the point I'll make is that um, when Alexander Gill set the record, it was on a, uh, I believe, a state championship day. Yes. And it was his first event. Yes. Right? So he got an ideal warm-up. He got to come out, warm-up exactly for the event. Yes. Right? And then go out and just do that event. True. Not... Do a sprint tournament the night before. Yes. Come in the next day. Do a snowball, an unknown distance, a 30-lap points race, all but one he, that he won. Do kilo number one, and then go ahead and do kilo number two. So, so that falls into the category he, of... I ran into impressive. John early this this morning. Or this, it was early afternoon. And he he said to me... We, I think it was just he and I were sitting there, and his wife was in there. He said, I want to win... The Omnium, I want to win the Kieran, and I want to break the record because I want to be the only one who's ever done that. And that's what he was trying to do, and it was probably just well, a hair too much. I will, I will give part of the reason to do this record or to ask someone to do a record is to find out if they want to get the record. And so John, John could have said no immediately in our first conversation right. six months ago. And me asking him, hey, would you like to do the DLV record? And I totally respect the fact that I asked him to do the record. He wanted to do the record. We did what it took for him to come and, and, and compete for the record. And that, as an athlete, that's a huge... To say you're going to do something, to say you're going to do the hour record, and then actually show up and do it, is, is, is a feat in itself yeah. and you know honestly if you don't get the record or you don't or you don't do as well as you thought you did at least you set down the groundwork for what it takes to do it better than following time and then you can drill down into getting better and better and better and that was part of the reason to ask was hey do you want to try this record and 109.3 honestly isn't all that fast I don't think for our chat and John broke the record with doing all that other other work. So if someone actually wanted to take out the record day attempt right. and wanted to prepare exactly like you said, prepare in the morning the way they wanted to, you know, I would go out and do an hour ride in the morning before the record attempt. I would do my, my standard my standard warm up. Twenty minutes before my record attempt, I'd have every every opportunity to do that and then I'd set it. Right. And so John did it in unideal circumstances after after being invited to do it, and that means a that means a yeah. ton to me as an athlete 
right. saying, hey, I'm willing to try this. Right. No, um, impressive as hell. Yes. It was impressive as hell, especially doing in two kilos within 20 minutes of each other. And honestly, he didn't hesitate to ask for a second one. Right. And I don't care if we have to wait an hour. Right. <laughs> if right. someone's going to ask me for a second kilo, I'll... I'm sorry. You, you, right. yes, sir. <laughs> How old was the record? I think it was 2012 or, or 13, 14, somewhere in there. So it was a state, like Steve said, yeah. I think it was a state championship or something. Right. No, it had to have been later than that. Right. It had to have been like 2015. No, it was, it was pretty close to after I quit. It was pretty close to after I quit. 2012? 11 or 12, somewhere in there. Yeah. Where is that guy now? Alexander Gill is still... Actually, I saw him at Twilight on Saturday yeah. night. He was in the mountains yeah. uh, riding. We miss Alexander. We miss our Florida friends. Yeah. What other records are there that we don't know about? We can come up, Steve's uh, I mean, promoters so, can come up with a billion records. First of all, out of the tower? I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never tripped down the steps, thank you. <laughs> We saw one of the guys driving the track slide down the track. We ever said whether he's got caught. Oh, I think I. Just so you know, there, but I think I I can't remember if you were there the night that I unclipped at the start of a 200 and went down the back straight on my cleats. So I might hold the unofficial record for like longest slide on speed speed play cleats. It was pretty impressive. Um. When's the next event at the Dolby? Well, we do our usual events. We're not going to do another pro race until September, Labor Day. Uh, Masters Nationals. So July 4th, and Masters Nationals are in the same weekish. So for us to do a summer event, and it's not just the com- competitors, it's the volunteers that go to do Master Nationals. Um, Wednesday is actually July 4th. Yes. And so it's unfair to do Rider of the Year points on July 4th if you have an opportunity to do... We might do something social and not race-oriented on July 4th. Maybe a little barbecue or something. And so this was just... And we're fully volunteer-organized at the DLV this year. So it seemed like the perfect opportunity to just drop the July race and move everything into, into Labor Day. Well, let me ask you this, because I missed that meeting. Why don't why didn't we move the May event and the September event closer together to do a June a June event and a oh, late August? Well, we've event. always we've always done we've always done opposite of Twilight because it's a it's a season opener and, and being in the South usually we open our season a few weeks or we do our large event to try to get folks from other tracks to come to our velodrome first before they head out into their track season. You being from Minnesota know you guys open in May. Yeah. Open in May, first large event, June-ish. And so it's always been our opener. So we start our season in April, and then we have our large event May before to try to entice track-specific folks to come to our velodrome to compete. Fair enough. Good question. Do you think we could get a more competitive field if we did it later? So Steve's suggestion, Steve's suggestion is to flip the two events and do the Kieran in September because everybody who's fast in the United States 
is looking for a fast event to do leading up to nationals. And that's the perfect time to do it because it's dry. It's the driest month in Georgia, period. Unless you have a hurricane. Unless you have a hurricane, which we had last year. But, but, but that's when all the really fast guys are going really fast. And the Enduros, they really don't need a track event. To, yes. to go do fast things. They can go do criteria. It's in the books. It just hasn't been done before. Yep. And we've kind of shown that we are flexible in our programming and, yeah. and what we do. So we aren't necessarily against it. It just yeah. It, it just hasn't necessarily come up. We've always done the Kieran in May. Uh, Pete Wicker, our fantastic sponsor that loves the Kieran, has his own t-shirts printed for tonight's event. His son's in the Youth Cycling League. It's always been that way, so we've kind of, we've just, you, 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 you've done the Kieran how many times? Uh, one, two, it was either two or three. Two or three times? Yeah, because it had just started. I mean, we just started a specific Kieran event as I was getting out of racing, so. Right. What, uh, I don't think there's anything else really to cover because it was a short, shortened day. Shortened day, but we gotta have a Nuziata and Steve no, here. So I, think, I think it's time to go right so into. So on that, on that, I'll just add. Hey, if you don't like rain, welcome to track racing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was gonna say, why don't we just dip right into the barman story? Since like oh, Steve. Steve? Uh, you got better news than I do. Tell me, so, tell the one you told me <laughs> at the barbecue. Which one was that? Because <laughs> I told you three about uh, um, <laughs> I really want you to finish in the top five. Is that the, what he said to you? Oh, was this the Kieran story? Martin, no, that was Hopkins. No, was it was Hopkins. a Philadelphia road race story. I think. No, because I I never did a road race. It was a race. He was riding support for you. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. I know which one you're talking about now. All right. I have two stories from this event. Three, actually. Okay. This was my first trip to Masters Nationals in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And um, all weekend, all week long, Kenny Williams had been killing it in my age division. True. And uh, he, he had won all three of the other events so far, the, the Pursuit, the Kilo, uh, and the points race. And so the week was ending on the sprint tournament, and um, I did a pretty good time, and um, was the, I think I was the number one seat. And well, your 200 was like a half second ahead yeah. of Kenny's. So, um, so Kenny and I ended up in the finals. And three Barman, Mike had been having a bad week, and this is when we this is where we this is where we segue into the, the the second story, and then we'll go back to the first story. We know Barman is having a bad week when the uh, free flight or not free flight uh, was yeah it? yeah free flight no, it's a free flight yeah the no, free Volkswagen, flight Volkswagen truck uh, wagon team car burned up the clutch. Uh, I think it was the clutch. Needs a no, new clutch. No, um, the uh, the team that we got the van, the car yeah. from had never changed the oil, so the deposits were in there. Oh my god! So, so it blew up the engine. <laughs> it really just this was the, the car we were supposed to take <laughs> to Kenosha for for Masters Nationals. So we ended up taking one of my trucks, and we were all piled in there. 
and Steve Hill were sitting in the Now understand, <laughs> leading up to this event, Mike is having some life-changing events go on in his personal life. Um, you know, the, and and what year was uh, this? This was 2004. 2004. And so, um, you know, he's having some home difficulties, and that was stressful. And then the team car blows up, and we drive up to Kenosha, and Mike rolls in from the kilo. And he sits in the chair in the infield and starts crying and going, all I could think about during the kilo was the team car. And he just, you know, is, 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 and he loses it. So later in the week, I mean, it's only a one-minute event. Yeah. <laughs> you can't keep your mind clear for one minute. Yeah. yeah. That's, what, that's when you know you're having troubles, right? And so, so we go back to the other story now, and it's the finals. And Kenny and I are tied at one ride each, and we're sitting in the infield, and this is where Barman will tell his skin suit story at some point, because it just still tickles him to this day. And... We're, we go out for the third ride, but before the third ride, we're sitting in the infield, and Barman is sitting next to me, and he says, Steve, man, I need something good this week. I really need you to win this race. I really, I really need us to go home with a win. So, of course, I went out and fucked that race up for me. Well, man. hold on. You're leaving a part of the story out. Okay. When I asked you to gear up. <laughs> that wouldn't have mattered. over 94 inches. That wouldn't have mattered. That wouldn't have mattered. And you had to be ahead of Kenny in turn three. Yeah, or closing fast from the back, and I didn't do either. But it was good. So, because, honestly, if you wouldn't, have, if you would have won that national championship, you probably would have so, quit that year no, and never no, no, done... No, no, no. I will say I agree with you that I would never have won two elite national championships if Kenny Williams had not beat me in that ride because, and I've told every single person that I've coached since then, that they need to find a moment like this in their career that makes them burn like that. Because I can still think about it now, and I get chills, and I get angry, and my heart rate goes up to about 190. And so, you know, every time I was tired behind a motorcycle, pissed off, had the cold, had a sinus infection so bad that snot's pouring out of my nose in the The work still has to be done. The work still had to be done, and all I had to do was think about that one sprint, and that was all it took, ever. And if I hadn't lost that one, that, I wouldn't have had that moment. And who knows so, if I would have had another one. So, so, ride two, Steve's trying to zip up his skin suit. And skin suits have, like, that weird little pocket on the zipper that gets caught every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. I am in the back of the car so now. now. Yeah. So, so, I'm next to Steve, kind of doing something with my bike or, or something. And I look over, and Steve, the zipper, and the skin suit are on the bottom of his chin. <laughs> like... Like just like all the way up, like Camel Toe Hill. I don't usually I don't usually help dudes out with their skin suits. <laughs> no matter how good of friends we are. Unless you're in Midtown. <laughs> but I'm like Hey bro, let's hold on a second. Let's think about this. 
Hey, was that the was that the same trip that we came up? Because who that was me, you, Pete, and who else was with us? Well, no, Fran and Trini were in a separate. But who's in the hotel room with us? There were just four the three of us. us. I thought there were four of us. No, I think it was just the three of us. Because that was the trip we came up with the, the skin suit joke about what's the worst thing than pull, pulling on a skin suit? Your skin suit the next day and it's wet. What's worse than that? Realizing it's somebody else's skin suit. <laughs> So, my other story from that week was, and it's really more of a barman Pete and everybody else with us. We get up to Kenosha for the first night, we get into the hotel, we go out to the track, we all rolled around, did some openers, and then we went out to dinner. We went to a pizza place for dinner. And... I think this is the, you the time. You were first in line. This is the time. This is when Barman realized the scope of the problem. Please sit down. Because Steve and I drank like 80 yeah. Diet Cokes yeah. <laughs> on the drive up. With, because Pete was in the back seat. Steve and I were in the front. So I'm, I'm wingman. I got to make sure Steve's awake. Pete's re- reading like Wired magazine, like in the back, like just totally snoozing <laughs> off. And we're just getting and, wired. <laughs> like we're just, yes. <laughs> and we're asking, he's got the cooler in the back. So, you know, old school, old school, hand me another, hand me another. It's just Diet Cokes, one after the other. It's like, God damn it, how many Diet Cokes do you two drink? <laughs> Enough. <laughs> was he paying for that? So, <laughs> no, but he was just in the back seat, wanting to relax. And just, we just be like, Pete just hey, bro. Hey, 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 hear me. Eyes up. Pete just needs something to complain about, right? Yeah. So anyway, so we go to this restaurant, and I order a large pizza with pepperoni. Yes. And we sit down, and everybody looks at me like, what are you going to do with that? You, you can't take that back to the hotel room. And I say, don't worry. I'm not. Dude. He ate a not not like not like a Domino's bar. This was like a that's exactly what I was gonna say. He ate a New York style large pepperoni pizza and then got second in the sprints the next day. (laughs) Did you ask him to cut it into six pieces because you couldn't eat eight? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's an old joke you better somehow. Hey, can you cut this pizza into six pieces? I can't eat eight. So those are those are three barman stories in one week. One week. You I, mean, I cannot top that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you go in second. <laughs> no, I will I will beg out on this round of, of barman stories. Oh, then I'll do another one. No, let's do a training story. Let's do a training story. Emily will want to pay attention to this one because this one. Oh, she already knows it, but it's funny. So. We used to we used to show up at the track anywhere between seven and nine o'clock in the morning and end up training anywhere between one and three o'clock in the afternoon. And you kind of had to eat a little bit before that, right? Because oh, you, you had to get you through the whole this one. So I would usually on the drive to the track if I left the house late, I would text Barman, "Hey, I'm on the way." He would end up getting there about the time I was done with my warm-up. And 
I can't. Yeah, he did bring it with him. That's right. So I remember he got there early, and I told him it was. This is going to be a really long session. I've got like a whole bunch of. I've got flying two Ks behind the motor. I've got flying one Ks, and then we've got something like three or four or five motor 200s to do with motor motor lead out. So it's going to be a big long session. We're going to be there a long time. He's like, all right, I'll bring some food. And I'm rolling around doing my warm-up and my jumps, and I'm looking up, and he's got this white tray in his lap, and he's just eating away, all right, getting ready. And then um, I just remembered what you were eating. He, he, he comes out and does his warm-up behind the bike, and then I do my first set of two kids. And every time we're going down the back straight, I see his left hand come off the bars and go right back. And he puts his left hand back on the bar. And then, um, and then we roll in, and I think you were doing like points race stuff where you were trying to sprint. Usually I would do, I would do a sprint every five. Five. Come around the bike on fives. And then if I was going good, I would do the take a lap right. on the midway point. Right. And then I would try to do fives, and then we'd right. do burn off on the finish. Right. So we do the first set of that, and then we go we go back in, and I think I had to change my bars or change gears or I had to change a wheel or something. And so he sits down. We'd always bring a couple of folding chairs and sit there, and he's sitting in the folding chair, just one hand over his stomach and one hand over his mouth, and he just keeps burping. And he's burping and burping and burping. And he's like, and then he'd lean over and spit. And he'd burp. And I'm like, Mike, what's wrong? He goes, ah, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that. <laughs> I think it was a mistake. <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't have any idea what he ate. So we had to go back out and do another set. He comes back in. And by this time, he's like green. He's like literally turning green. And I finally, I just get up, Mike, what did you eat? And he said, oh, well, I had this really big salad that I had left over from last night, so I had to eat it. It was all I had to eat, so I brought it, and I just ate it here. Roughage before motor pace training is not a good idea. <laughs> Actually, yeah, the... That's where I really simplified my food stuff was like in like just cliff bars yeah. or you know just <clears throat> lettuce is pretty simple but oh. it doesn't belong in your stomach before motor pacing. And those <laughs> those Sundays there's times we'd show up at Sunday at nine AM and by Steve both Steve and Tom Machetto, there's times I'd be leaving the velodrome at four thirty. Yeah. And we'd have sixty miles yeah. in our legs. Yeah. So I did. So we put. I went back and looked at a couple of. Yeah. I looked at the odometer on the Kawasaki. Yeah. And before the Kawasaki got one hundred. It's an eighty. We put. Steve's still wrong. We put. This is just motor pacing. We put eleven thousand miles on the Kawasaki. Dude. That's fifty-five thousand laps. I probably drove eight thousand of that eleven thousand. Wow. Because after I stopped racing, I'd still come down yeah. when I was in the rest. And I, yeah. could, I really wasn't physically able to ride any longer, but I'd still drive for speed. Yeah. And, yeah. So, I will say that, yeah, the Kenny Williams thing motivated me, but 
without Barman, there would not have been two national championships either. That was going to be my next question about the national championships. Because I remember him telling me when you won. Yeah. Dude, it was incredible. What was your time? 104.2? So, Masters, Masters was 104.5 in Colorado. Uh, ADT was 106 and 105. No. Yeah. It was in the fours. No. I did 104. I, n- I did 104.9 in 08 um, with a horrible last lap because that was the year Taylor Finney showed up and did 103. The name was 102. Yeah. Finney. Yeah. He hates that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's He's still Davis' son. <laughs> I mean, you don't get out of the shadow. Right. <laughs> it doesn't matter how old he is. So I, I went out. So, so Taylor went. Well, Taylor went two riders before me, and then Jimmy Watkins went. What Taylor rode? Taylor, Taylor, Taylor rode no, a one hundred three two. Yeah. Was that? Uh, one of Jimmy's first years. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Jimmy ended up beating me that year in the kilo by two thousandths of a second because I went out. Taylor went and and I didn't know what kind of time he'd do because he'd not done a kilo. So we just sat there and watched. And well, I'm sure he'd done training, but so and he rolls a one hundred three two, and all of a sudden, you know, all the tickers in my head are going, okay, that's a this start, that's a this. First half lap after the start. That's a this second lap, a this third lap, and this a fourth lap. I did the first three things of those, and then completely exploded on the fourth lap. So, um, but I think I had a thirty-two eight five hundred in that one. And, uh, and your start, your start just amazes human beings. <clears throat> You've always been the when it when it so funny, when, John, when, John, when John and I were at the track on Wednesday before training yeah. and I explained how you ride the kilo because working with you and Machetto yeah. and Howard and, and what amazing what's amazing is actually how differently the three people ride the 500 yeah. <coughs> and 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 how to drive those three people to help them get the fastest they can is completely different you you are much more of a gradual Ups and Tom is a snap at it, and the, and the, the differences are so bizarre. So, I was explaining to John, I'm like, if you go into light gear, you really got to be doing 39.5 ish, like just under 40 miles an hour on that. If you start uphill, then you really need to be going full speed into three, and you can really float the rest of the kilo and do a great time. Yeah. Because you have that maximum speed from the uphill start. Yeah. But if you don't get that maximum speed, that means that when you see two to go and you're coming up the home stretch, you've got to grind. You have to grind that speed out in order to get into two at a proper speed to be able to come down the back stretch. Because if you die on into that turn, there's no way to get like a ski racer. You're never gonna get that time back. Yeah, the if you don't hit that, if you don't hit that gate properly, you're never getting that time back from turn one. So that's the that's the thing that a lot of people miss about the track. Everybody thinks the home straight's the slowest part of the track. It's not. Turn one, two is the slowest part of the track. 
By far. By far. That is where, if you have somebody like taking quarter lap splits of your times, I will guarantee you that either quarter lap one or quarter lap two is going to be your slowest. It's going to be somewhere in turn one, two is where your slow time on the track is going to be. And that, and that, that as an athlete, that's where you have to focus. You have to have your round spin. Yep. You have to have the proper line. You have to, well, that's you where have you have to, to be dialed in is that, well, is that. And, and really more importantly than all that, you have to be able to absorb what the track is giving you because it's so bumpy through all the turns. Well, that too. That you know, intro is slammed around. Is, that suspension, yeah. I can get that suspension to bottom yeah. out at like 35 miles so, an hour. So everybody always worries about the big loop-de-doo in turn four. But if you're on aero bars cooking it on your first lap, and you're, uh, and you're going through turn two, one and two, and you're not ready for it, you're going to lose a lot of speed there. Yeah. Because that's the, really the worst part of the track. I agree. You've just come uphill, you're tired, uh, you've tried to maintain speed, but probably haven't, and then you're going to get bounced around. And and actually, I think where you learn that the most is when you drive it on a motorcycle, you have a powered vehicle, yeah. and you're like, oh shoot, what did I just do? Yeah. I took the athlete through this turn in the totally wrong line. Well, and, and, I, and you're just sitting there oh, and you're watching sweet. the speedo go Should, away. What, what, so, what workout did Bobby give us that we never did again because we did it Motor on their Wednesday Motor pickups. One and two. This is a one and two story. You want to tell it or do you want me to? So, what motor pickups are is you start at the kilo start on the home straight and you're going to do a 500 and the motor picks you up after half of the effort. So you do the standing start by yourself with the motor above you. How do you drive that? With the motor above you. I'm going to hear this story. The motor parallels you around turns one and two, and as you're coming down the back straight, the motor passes you, goes into the lane, and you jump onto the motor and finish the 500 on the motor. It's slightly perilous. Yeah. I, I was before I moved down here. I was driving two hundreds for people at Blaine at the rail. Well, that's a Schumann track. That's and like that is like ge- geometrically. It's like it's like you close your eyes and just like like be like you can <laughs> you can you can ride that track with your eyes closed. Yes, and and honestly, our track isn't that unsquare. It's not geometrically, but driving it. Uphill, downhill, and everything that's involved. So I think there's two big things there. One, did you tell the front wheel? I'm sorry. You didn't even talk about the front wheel. No, you tell it. You tell it better than I do. No way. Yeah, you do. I'm glad you invited me. I know. You were. You were. You've been so helpful. Chris is still here. He said we about Jeopardy. All right. So to get to the point, we're doing motor pickup Wednesday afternoon before racing. There's 30 people on the track. Bobby wants us to get this shit done. Steve's like on like I'm winning a national championship mode. And so he's like, just drive it. And I'm like, alright, I gotcha. So I drive it, and Steve runs his front wheel right into the back of the cow's talking wheel. And the spokes, the spokes are pinging. <laughs> and I'm like, I've got my hand on the gas, and I'm like, there's no way I'm fucking letting off. <laughs> going to be the cause of him going down. His, his, wheel, his wheel collapsing is going to be the problem, not the motorcycle. And I'm just gassing it even harder, so I'm ripping more spokes out. Because 
I'm not gonna slow down. I just, I, I am not gonna slow down. I'm gonna, and <laughs> so Bobby comes back with, we're not doing those again. <laughs> Well, that was the that was the one night he's ever been at the track. Yes, right. <laughs> and I was like, I'm holding this wheel that's got like two spokes left in it. I was like, thanks for the brilliant idea. <laughs> which, which honestly, at other tracks, it would be motor pickups are fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Other tracks, our track is not great. They're so hard to hey, drive. Let's, let's try it next week. <laughs> Dude, I just remember hitting the throttle and hearing your spokes just ping, 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 ping. And there were two left. So where did the wheel get caught? In the axle of the Kawasaki, his, the spokes by the rim, not the hub. Yeah. The problem, the problem with DLD over other tracks is the higher you up, you're up the track, the very much worse the transition becomes. Yes. And coming out of two... There's a there's a mid zone between like about a foot below the blue line to about three feet above the blue line where it'll actually throw you down towards the lane. Yes. Which is what it did to the motor. And in the lane, you're tending to drift up and out. And we just came together as we came out of the. Well, we were trying to execute a, yeah. a motor pickup, <laughs> and I, and I'm executing the best I can. And he's executing the best he can. And he almost executed me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But I remember having my hand on that throttle, and I'm like, I, no, 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 no. And, I, and, and you know, the, the Bobby's reaction was like 100% Bobby. Yes. Which was nothing ever flaps Bobby. It's just like he just says, "Go do those again." We're not going to do those anymore. <laughs> That's exactly how he said it. Do you have any stories or no? I can't beat these stories. I've only been doing this for six years. <laughs> You're relatively new. I am. You probably don't have any barman stories. We lived together for... We lived months. together for Oh, this is the guy. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you like, yeah, guy. He moved down here. He's like, I don't know if he's staying or not. <laughs> well, Hodges is the one that... that he, uh, he's the guy from Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. he's Minnesota. Hodges is the one that, like... Sunday night when I'm at the Georgia Tech race in Auburn, he's like, hey, is that room still available? I'm like, all right. He's like, when, when can I move in? He's like, he's, like, he's, like, he's like, well, tonight would be great. <laughs> my, my plans fell through. Oh, my God. Uh, but uh, both Rineker from Savannah came up, and she stayed in, 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 uh, in Thompson's room. And then, uh, and then Aaron, Aaron had Thompson, had Thompson room early, but Aaron was awesome. He moved out way before scheduled time and was ready to, it was, well, Emily got him a job like two days from being down here. One day. <laughs> I, I, I pulled into the parking lot. Emily, Emily's the first new person that I met in Atlanta. She takes me out to breakfast the next morning, brings me to a bike shop, brings me to that bike shop's other shop. I meet the owner. I tell him what's wrong about the way that he's hanging up his bikes, and he gives me a job, and I've been working there since. What shop is this? Peachtree Bikes. Okay. Um, and, yeah, it, it's... So there's always been this kind of really 
good familiar, familial spirit between the, the MSC Velodrome and the Dick Lane Velodrome, and especially between the Zubas Racing Team and the East Point Track Club. Um, we can throw the Zubas pick up. Don't, don't. You, you guys gave us the headbands that year in Indy. Where yeah. Like, well, then, that was Zubas. the whole thing. So yeah. the, the Indianapolis Challenge. Um, it was kind of the, the first time that we had ever kind of met one well, another. Seven eight, or eight hours for us, and then ten hours for us. Jesus, so it's it's, it's right in between. Yeah, uh, it's great though because we get to go and race at Kenosha and Northbrook on yeah. the way down and the way back. Um, so I've been coming down here to race for years now, and I absolutely love the city and Indianapolis. Last last summer, I, I confided in Barman and a lot of the guys here, and I said. I don't know what I'm doing with my life right now. Um, I need to get out of Minnesota. I want to get back into racing shape because 2016 was a really hard year for me. It was the first year that I had gone completely into it, and it was a year of injuries and setbacks, and it just I didn't handle it well. And so the next year, seeing all these guys at Indy again made me want to get back into it full time. And so Barman said, "Hey, come live with me." And I said, "Okay," and. It, well, it's the same the same deal I gave Rittaker. You yeah. know, it's like, hey, if you want to try Atlanta, see if it works. You know, just, you have a spot. You know, you can work your stuff out. Or, you know how people are in new towns. Yeah. Like, oh, I hate this place. I'm moving to Austin. <laughs> <laughs> Atlanta sucks. I'm moving to Austin. <laughs> Thankfully, I knew that Atlanta hadn't sucked. Uh, I had been coming down here to do the pro races for a handful of years at this point. Uh, I had just been coming down to visit. I had fallen in love with the city completely. And so I knew that I wanted to live here. And Barman just made it really easy. And all the East Point guys made it really easy for me. Uh, and they just they made that transition so seamless that I was able to finish the season out in Minneapolis, pack and sell everything that I owned. And I packed the rest of everything on my motorcycle. And I moved down here. And within 48 hours of living here, I had a full-time job. I was... That's, like, unheard of. I well, was, Aaron, so Aaron's, Aaron's bike and his clothing ended up in the in reality bikes. And the, and, the, and the shop guys opened up the box and just, like, pulling Aaron's clothes out. Like, whoa, what, what's this in this box? Probably his track bike and other stuff. Like, oh, I always saw his clothes. I, I sold everything that I had owned at this point, except for the Wenskin suit. I sold everything so I owned. At least mine. I kept three bikes, my road bike, my track bike, and my commuter, and I packed everything in the three bike boxes, and I shipped them into Barman's shop. He brought them home for me. I came down here, and it's, you know, I, I, it was a really seamless integration, and Atlanta absolutely <coughs> has felt like home since I've been here, and it's, it's allowed me to get back to a point where I'm competitive at the level that I want to be at, and continuing to grow, and Barman's been a really great help in that, he's coaching me now, um, and helping me get back to that level that I was at before, and even past that, and... You know, the first time that I came down here, Dick Lane is a notoriously slow, bumpy track, and if you're not used to it, you don't know how to ride a good 200. Hometown knowledge is so really is in the 200, the kilo, yep. everything. Because John, John actually, I had, I had Kevin O'Donnell ride John around for the line, because Kevin actually gets it probably better than any... That high three, low, low three, four, 
and then you just let four spill you out. You don't hold the black line. You just let that turn just let you go where you want to go. If you have more, the more speed you're going, the higher you go above the black line, and it's perfectly fine. Fastest line. But in the in the three years that I had been coming down here to race, I hadn't won a single race. I'd done well for myself, and I, I was competitive, but I just could not put it together how to actually do it. And then when I moved here, and I got timing on the track, and I learned the fields, and I finally got to it. I remember, like two weeks ago or three weeks ago, when I won my first night like race on a Wednesday night, I was so amped up. When that was no Wednesdays. Hold on, where's, where's Brick? Yeah. Where's Brick? Someone find He's Daddy. gone. He, he left. Wednesday's wheel race was obscene. This past Wednesday? Yes, just oh. like four nights ago. What, did I not, did I not, did I not put him in the right places? No, you, you gave the, the B's and the C's a, a pretty big head start. It's, it's been about two years since the A's have worked together that well. <laughs> he came flying out of turn one. <laughs> And it was maybe ten bike lanes to the to the whoever the the B or the C was at the front of the. You closed that up before turn three. Between turn one and turn three, you would close them and pass them, and then blew by them. And it was the most obscene turn of speed I'd seen in a long time. No, it wasn't. No, it was it was one to go. Yeah, it was one to go. One to go. It was, it was, it was a cool The A's actually did like a team pursuit, a proper. We'd gotten together and it was yeah. it, it went real well. It was Hodges Kevin. But at that point, you were on your own. Man. And no, it's I haven't had the kick that I have right now in two years, and it's a big part of that is being happy again and being excited about racing and training and really getting back into a good rhythm. And Atlanta having that seamless transition—it's—I it's, think a miracle that it, I've only lived here six months and I'm able to get back to that level. Because moving across the country takes a lot out of a person. And especially on a Kawasaki 500. Especially on a 650. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is it with UNCCs? It's the same as him with names. He's converted into metric. But I, I think it's only I, four inches. <laughs> four inches? Four inches is a lot, man. Four inches. Yeah, that's that's a, a, that's it's a, good that this is a visual medium. That's, that's more than a tire work. It's, it's so more for an internet for But that I think that really is a testament to this this track, this community, and to Barman that I came off of one Listen, of the worst. Go into this room likes Barman. Don't kiss us. One. <laughs> I can give it a few ways to Barman right now. But it really is a testament to everybody here that in I went from the worst season that I've had racing at an elite level to moving and getting back to where I was at what had been initially my peak as an elite athlete. But well, we, we just want to thank you for getting Hodges to go faster because we've been Dude. trying for years. We've been trying for years. We've been trying to get Andrew Hodges to go faster, but there must be something about the Daryl Hall hair. And just Hodges is like I gotta follow that guy. Hodges just got faster. Well, you know what it was, right? It's because I did a bike fit for him. No, it's great. I thought we were gonna start talking about party in the back or something. <laughs> do we want to cover the Giro? Or are we gonna do that Monday? We'll do that Monday. 
Do we want to cover Atlanta United or are we going to do that Monday? We'll do that Monday. Okay. Um, well, let's talk hockey, please. Let's not. No, Chris, Chris turns off our podcast on hockey. No, fast forward. Don't, don't worry. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm sorry. The Devils aren't in any longer, so... There might not much, be much more hockey talk. And there's, there's no more... There's no more... Um, there's no more Seinfeld uh, famous people that are as New Jersey Devils. That's funny. <laughs> I was in the car yelling at you, Patrick Warburton. <laughs> and I still, this is the, so, not to bring it back around to this is why I, I, I got it five minutes later. Call because this shit pops into my head. And I'm like, you're like, who is that guy? He was on Seinfeld. What's his real name? I'm like, Patrick Warburton. Why it popped into my head? Why I know that? Why would I know that? He does enterprise rental car commercials. He's not like a real actor. Watching his other he show. He was the original Tick. Yes, he was. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, I've been watching his other show. On the WB. The um, what other Rules show? of Engagement. My wife and I have been watching that on Netflix, and I can't believe I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> He's the lead character in the TV show. <laughs> So I got like five minutes later. in the Volkswagen screaming at me. Oh yeah, I'm. Sc- I, I, no, no. I. At least people around matters. me in traffic must think I'm insane. God hates quitters. Bye. <laughs> Go raise a barn. <laughs> we could totally throw him in a Mennonite community. <laughs> and he um, would, uh, he oh, totally... oh wait, 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 wait. And maybe, maybe I shouldn't say this. I don't know if they'll listen to the podcast. We're at the bike room tonight, and these two youth cycling mothers walk up to him and go, Coach Kevin, Coach Kevin, do you know who Frank Sinatra is? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. Is this he's wearing the hat? Yes, he's wearing this fedora with a, with a like, I don't a know, feather. a fe- pheasant hat. Dude, he found it at Goodwill, only because some estate sale... <laughs> she said, right so, I know. so the so the, the one and I won't describe the mothers they're just mothers of youth cycling children it's just so refreshing to see that you just did all that racing and then you put the hat on and you've got nice khaki pants on and a nice button up shirt you look very very stylish and it's nice that you, and, but he's wearing sandals with socks uh, oh yeah <laughs> no he's wearing Birkenstock with socks with racing socks they walk away the hodgepodge. We were just talking about you. Uh, 49. <laughs> no, so the mothers walk away, and I look at him, and I'm like, you got to watch out for them. And he goes, really, I do? <laughs> My God. Well, at least he didn't have the suit on. Oh. See, again, visual medium. We really need to put pictures up. Dude, well, I mean, there's like three Kevin suits, and, and it just goes like really bad to somewhat bad to... Well, it's all. You get a free bowl of super bad. <laughs> None of them fit. They're all no, 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 like straight out of Goodwill. <laughs> like, like just straight out. You want to plug anything? I got nothing to plug. You want to plug anything? No. Your Facebook page? We'll get these guys on again. No, yeah. yeah. No, we'll have you on individually. Well, oh, we're going to do the no, Jeopardy. We're going to do the Jeopardy. I found a way to do it. We, we, and we you're challenging both of us. Oh, not just one of us. Fine. We're a team. Okay. That means we get Is that two, what you agreed to? We get no. two wrong answers. Now, now, no, no, now. No, 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 no. There's no <laughs> this. This is not. This is not buddy golf on Sunday. 
There's no gimmies and there's no mulligans. No. What? We're kind of doing Greeny Sandy. Greeny Sandy's, Birdies, Barkies. Two strokes per hole. So, so he's got an Amazon Fire Stick. There's a, it just, they just released the so, on May so 1st. What I heard, I've never heard this from your mouth, Mr. Nuziato. But I heard you were challenging both of us. No, I can't. No, 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 no. I said, we'll play We'll play him. So now, 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 that had nothing to do with me, but I will take that on. That's so, no, do you want to... As long as it's not Sports Jeopardy, because the two of you can... They, I bet right now he knows who the Vizina Trophy winner was in 1998. I don't even know what the Vizina Trophy is. What? It's a hockey trophy. The Vesna Trophy? Whatever. Dominic. Under the skin of the Barman did. Dominic Hassock. Uh, the Do I have to get the phone out? 1998. The fourth best goalie in history? I believe the... the two, same, two ahead of Burdard? Three ahead of Burdard. Oh, we already had this argument earlier. Like, How's it's Burdard? not an argument. How's, how's Burdard's seventh best goalie? It's not an argument. I mean, I Burdard is not the seventh best goalie ever. I mean, it doesn't happen. <laughs> Boom. Wings? Sabres. Sabres lost in the finals to the Stars. I, I Hall had his hold on, in the crease. Hold on, hold on. And as he had said, he wasn't going to listen to any hockey talk. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But so if you ask me who won in 99, so, I don't so, know. So, all right. All right. All right. We got to do that. We have to do a skit. Was that yeah, a lucky guess? No. We, no. You knew I, that. I, I knew no, that. You know that for a fact. No. I don't know who won in 99. Why 98 came out of my mouth, I don't no, know. No, because it's Sabres. It wasn't the Red Wings hostage. It was the Sabres hostage. But... We gotta do Jeopardy with like the buttons and like the no. full video. Like we'll the do it. Do, 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 we'll do no, there's no. That, or you just say your name and that's your buzzer. They just no seriously. They just released an app on the Fire Stick. They they have an app. They've synced an actual game of Jeopardy with a phone app, and you push the buzzer on your phone. That's fine. And you speak the answer. But it's all three of us against each other, not the two of us. Well, you two can share a phone, and you can all buzz in, and I will have my phone, and I will. Buzz. No, I think it's fine. Really you and me against him. Are you sure? If the two the two well, of us combined, like, aren't gonna be able to beat him. The two of us combined as long as, as long as literature doesn't come in or law. <laughs> Geography, astronomy, what, what, did, what, did, what Geography, did, I'm sorry. What did, what did I call Anusiata's uh um well, while, me? while he's here, you might want to apologize <laughs> for your statements. No, we're not. No, we we dealt with that. We dealt with that. Okay, it was very. That hatchet is buried. Okay, I just want to make sure we're all good. Well, Chris is a very good friend of mine, and Michael takes care of me and Mrs. Anunziata. Yes, Miss Love, (laughs) Mr. Love. (laughs) Depending on the time of day. So Um, we we will get this organized. Absolutely, we will have it tomorrow if I can. Yeah. And and we'll get uh, an episode. You can, can we play it for free once or twice, Jennings? and then we'll, we'll can pay we for it. Can we put Jennings on his screen? Can Jennings? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think somebody actually beat his record, and you would know. No, 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 no. No, no, one, no one's come close no to that record. No one's coming close I thought the, It's like uh, $1.3 million. Nobody's ever come close I thought some guy like went yes, on a run for like 22 can, can days. Can I show up for this one and play Sean Connery? <laughs> <laughs> Or Burt Reynolds. Suck it, Trebek. <laughs> Anal bum covers for 200. I'll take the rapist for 400. <laughs>
Uh, all right, we will have you on at some point in the future. Uh, some point well, I, I got a microphone so we can do multiple places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that helps even this all out. I'll drive somewhere. I'll organize Jeopardy for some time this summer. Yep. I'll, I'll drive up to coming. We gotta have wings first. We have to have wings with the New Zealand. Well, we have to have the wing bracket finished. At some no, point. we got round one done. <laughs> so we're we're making people wait. Okay. My wings, my wings last night at what? Taco Mac were awful. I had they taco, were like I had taco they were like point two wings. I say ordered hot wings from them this week. I did. I did too. I usually order TMI. It was awful. What is the point of coming up with the with the semi-objective matrix and then having head-to-head competition? Semi? Excuse me? Well, there's still some there's there's still subjectivity to that. Excuse me? There's no subjectivity there's 12 to that. Cat- there's 12 categories. And none of it is subjective. <laughs> uh, appear- what was the one? What was a plating appearance? That's not subjective? Hold on. <laughs> Five minutes into the competition. Barman, that's not how you write this category. <laughs> We were we were at our first restaurant and the first argument already started on appearance and he was wings only and I was more. I go have to be served in cardboard buckets. How do you play that? I mean, <laughs> I, I've only had wings in a red the in a red basket with a with a white paint with the. You've only had wings. Yes. And that like that is what they serve. Where, where are you getting? I don't eat a lot of wings. I'm not a wing person. Really? Yeah. He's from New Jersey. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't He's shoot. A I don't. Guy. I don't shoot wings at the back of other people and then not pay for their dry cleaning. <laughs> okay, so that does it for episode thirty-eight. Uh, Mike and I will. We're going to record Monday. Yeah. Well. Well, we have to do Jiro. Are we doing Stooges? Yes. No. We'll preview recap. No. We'll do recap Stooges. preview. I have seven. I have seven jerseys. <laughs> that I already purchased to put on the reality RV. <laughs> okay. Well, they, they, they changed the name, which is pissing me off. That's all right. No, we're gonna we're gonna stay true to form. <laughs> we're gonna go move, with Stooges. Just call it Movement of Stooges. <laughs> Thank you. All right, so that does it for episode thirty-eight. Um, you can find us on all the social media platforms: Twitter. Uh, at Barman and Bevo Pop. Those are notes. Those are all the notes for all the yeah. episodes. Yeah, what episode did you just say? 38. 39. <laughs> <laughs> episode 39. The one note and you got it wrong. It's because you're drinking so much Jim Beam, I'm worried about you. You're... <laughs> I haven't even started yet. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, at, on Twitter, at Barman and Bevo Pod. Um, at <laughs> underscore Coach Barman. <laughs> I knew it was coming. At Bevo8771. Um, we're on Facebook. Barman and Bevo Podcast. Michael Barman, Michael uh, Vandura. If you want a happy birthday, uh, Barman's on LinkedIn. He'll wish you a happy birthday. <laughs> Still get me on that. You did, you did uh, say congrats on my six-year anniversary at my work. Hey, congrats. When was the last time we ever worked anywhere for six years? <laughs> Never. Never. <laughs> Congrats, man. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back Monday with a new that's episode. A lot of banners. What? That's a lot. Of, that is a lot of banners. I'm about to retire from the, the sales position, though. Really? Yeah. You have to manage people. Yeah. Oh Jesus. Boss says it's done. Carve it up. 
Uh, we'll be back Monday. We'll recap the Giro. We'll preview the Giro stages for the week. We'll cover Atlanta United uh, and their victory tonight against Chicago. And when did they lose? Last time they lost was game one. I know. They're, they are in first place. First place! Woo! Surprisingly How many watchable. Points? 22. 22. 22. Yeah, 22 points. Well, they've got a game in. They have a, they have game, a game in hand on New yeah. York as well. Um, New York hates that. We'll re- <laughs> Europeans hate hate Atlanta United. They uh, know what's coming. We'll recap NHL uh, playoffs, and I don't know if there's anything else going on right now. We can talk about the NBA for 10 seconds. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> talk, about, talk about LeBron. No. Okay. <laughs> when, I, when I come back, I want to talk about Lance Armstrong. No, you don't. No, I don't. <laughs> you said it earlier. Damn it! He <laughs> said it's so hard to hate him. Because his podcast is actually pretty good. <laughs> Did he? His mm-hmm. podcast is good, damn it. I still hate him. Because he talks about a subject you love. No, even his other one, when he's just interviewing... The, what's the other one? The random... The Ford. The Ford. It's actually not bad. Yeah, if you're interested in the person he's talking to. Right. Half of them I do is to learn. Alright. So let's be honest. Lance has never been bad at anything. He was bad at... No, you're wrong. Uh, I still think he's a douchebag. But... <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. He's bad at being a human being. I didn't say he wasn't a douchebag. <laughs> there you go. I he's said... bad at being a human being. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, wanna, but... You want to start the tally of lives he's destroyed? Who's our president? No one's comparing the action relevance. I mean, no, they are. They really are. You put someone else that's twice as shitty against them, yeah, that's what you end up with. Alright. I'm not gonna argue. Alright, that does all, all I'll say about the thing is if you think there's anybody who raced against Lance Armstrong that wouldn't have stuck a knife in their wife's mother in order to win more races, you're insane. I know, they all, you they just, all we just get We just got to see it all play out with Armstrong. Yes, yeah. exactly. I agree with that, Stephen. And I don't think he should have been on the hook for the full amount when he was only 10% owner. And we've talked well, about, I don't think, yeah, we talk about And that. I don't think that... He should have lost this lawsuit because let's face it. Well, it's easy. There was pay. nothing better for right. U.S. Postal. Really he didn't lose the lawsuit. Right. He just so, wanted it to go away. Right, but he was—he felt he was going to. He and now, and now, actually, Bernil's on because he didn't right. even—he did dealt with it less than Lance did. Right. And now he's on the hook for the rest. Right, but the the argument—I mean, you have to show demonstrable harm. How did the USPS no harm. harm by anything during the U.S. Postal did? <clears throat> no. No, this stuff all went yeah. down ten years after the fact. Yes, right. right. And, and yeah. you know, you can look at U.S. Postal's growth rate through the the Armstrong era; it's astronomical. As plus Trex, plus right. all the other sponsors. Right. So to say to say your sponsors is right. is it's personal. <laughs> Greg's, Greg's personal. Greg and Betsy are personal. Everything else is business. All right, on that note, we are going to end episode 39. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And Thank you all. Chris, especially for adding all those great stories. <laughs> I, I got a million of them. <laughs> uh, and Mike, got some good barbing stories. Uh, we'll have to have, have, have him write them down. Write them down? For next time. He's just afraid he's going to lose to me at Jeopardy. Us. No. It's, it's come out now. 
It's the three of us. I get my own buzzer. Oh, boy. You know we're going to get some... Is our score added up at the, together? <laughs> I don't know. I, <laughs> are we negotiating? It's better for us to play as a team than to play individually. I'm not afraid of losing to New Zealand. Okay. No shame there. As long as there's not literature. Oh, I'm not afraid of losing to New We don't get to pick this. We're not going to draft the Oh, I think we got our fourth player in Jeopardy for the first time. <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> I think you can beat him. Oh. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thank you, sir. All right, that does it for episode 39. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Sorry to be here so late. That's fine. Just a good old boy Never meaning no harm Beats all you never saw Been in trouble with the law Since the day they was born Straightening the curves yeah. Flattening the hills Someday the mountain might get up But the law never will Making their way Show.